Hi, I am Scott Allen Perry, not Doug Jones. I am a fallen superhero. And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is we will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. Overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Okay. <laughs> that was Scott Allen Perry, and yeah. From the Backroom Botanical Garden Spray Painting Booth on Sublevel 9 of Area 51, it's TalkCast 362, yet another edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm the Dome, and I ache everywhere possible in a few places I didn't think was possible. Joining the cast tonight, the rest of the gang, in the Peabody Time Tunnel, it's the button pushing. I like button pushing. Could you be a Putin pusher? Keyboard clacking, sonic wow. screwdrivering, violent virtuoso. It's Kriana. Also, no. Also, you're not going to be a Putin pusher? Okay, fine. From the stacks of her quiet place in the Dank Dungeons Collegiate Prep Student Lounge, it's uh, Zombrarian. How you feeling? <laughs> That's how much noise I can make. Oh. I hope you have some... It's very squeaky, yeah. I hope you have some tea with you tonight. I have lemonade. Oh, okay. Is that helpful? I mean, squeak. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere off in the distance, showing up when he can, being here while he won't. Uh, will he or won't he? We don't know. We'll assume at some point we will be graced by the presence of the guy who likes shiny stuff, Awake by Java, joining the talk cast tonight. Hey, I'm here. Oh, good. I've arrived. Well, you totally freaking I, surprised me. I, I am I am present. You're present and accountably accountable. I'm omnipresent. <laughs> Which is cool because Omni Magazine I don't think has done anything in years. But I could be wrong. Oh man. Omni magazine. Goodness gracious. Okay. Well, like, you know, magazines period, but yeah, there's Omni magazine. How was your week? My week? Yeah. My week? My week has just begun. Well, I'm no. doing so much stuff. The best stuff. The best stuff? What game are we playing tonight? We are playing Driving Home. <laughs> Hopefully using a hands-free device and, and yes. staying within yes, the rules. Absolutely. Staying safe and only going 100 miles over the speed limit. Perfect. So when we hear the screeching sirens, we'll know what happened. Joining, exactly the, right. joining the, the cast tonight is a guy we've known for an awful long time. Uh, <laughs> and every time we come to a convention and we talk, we go, 
you haven't done the show yet? And he no, I haven't done it. We keep talking about it, but we've never done from Reckless Sidekick Productions. It's Keith Gleason. Keith, welcome finally, after like nine years, <laughs> to Sci Fi Saturday Night. It has been that long, hasn't it? <laughs> it really has been that long. And I mean, you know, we sat we sat down at Graticon last week and we kind of talked about it a little bit. I went, Yeah, it really has been. I remember your first comic when it first came out. And, yeah, and we talked know, about right? it then, and, and that was Hero Envy. And I've still yeah, got, I, you know, I've still got that copy of it. I think you did a review too, didn't you? I you did, did a, a review, a and then review I said, of it. We we've got to get you on, and then I don't know what the hell happened. It was very strange. <laughs> well, I think that's just one of those things that happens at cons. You know, it's like you talk to a million people. And then you see people you know all the time, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to do this show. And then it just never materializes for whatever well, reason. God you know? damn it, we made it happen this time. We did, we did. It's we about actually, damn time. You know? uh, <laughs> Keith is the, the brains behind Reckless Sidekick Productions. Uh, uh, again, I first met him uh, when he was starting to do a comic called Hero Envy uh, yep. with the cast of four incredible geeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, for a long time, that was his, his project and, and his only project. And then uh, over the past couple of years, he's branched out to do some other stuff. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a bit. You started out you are the writer for what you guys Correct. What reckless it does now who else works in do you have just different people that you bring in for different projects or is there a a group of odd people for reckless sidekick productions um yeah you know it's it's more like me bringing in people that are projects it seems like there's a lot of people uh, working at Reckless Psychic Productions, but to be honest with you, it's just me. It's, it's just kind of you, of yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it used to be more guys, you know. Like uh, I don't know, I don't know if you know how well you know the history of Hero Envy. Like before it was even a comic. There's like a whole, you know, like we used to be like a web show and all that stuff. I don't. Well, let's, did you let's know that? About, no, actually, I didn't. So let's talk about Dome that. didn't, but I remember because the very first time we met you, you were showing the DVDs of the web series uh, at your booth. That's right. I think right. it was Boston Comic Con in the basement of the Hyatt. Yes. Yep. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Look at you. Good. Yeah, that, we were, yeah, going, we're going. I have a very back. good memory. <laughs> Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> My whole book club says so. They're like, how do you remember all the details? I'm like, I read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I also remember details like that. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's true. I think when we were doing cons at that time, all we were selling were the DVDs. Like, I, I don't even think I had a comic yet. Or maybe I had a preview no, I think, of the first issue. Yeah, I think they you sent us like a PDF of the preview. Oh, okay. Yeah. That might've been for the very first time you were on. Yeah. Um, but that's how, that's, 
sort of how we started. Like I, I've always been into comic books. Like I do do a little bit of art too, but um, at the time going back then to probably about 2005, I think um, me and a bunch of friends, we're, you know, we're all into movies and stuff. So we decided to like try to make like a web show. And that's like when YouTube and all that stuff was just starting to become a thing. Um, so yeah, you know, it was like around the time before the guild and all that stuff, you know, like, um, so yeah, we started writing like these 10 minute, like episodes, um, starring the hero envy characters that we all played like me and the four guys. And, um, we did about, I want to say about close to about 30 episodes. Like, I think they're still on YouTube if anyone's interested in watching them. Some of the, the references are a little dated. We're now looking them point, up as but, you uh, speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, some of them are good. Towards the end, there's some of them that are pretty funny. Like, if you're you know, being the sci fi uh, Saturday night crew, you you guys may want to check out, I think it's episode 21 where we kind of parody uh, the mirror mirror episode of star Trek where uh, <laughs> one of the geeks ends up in an alternate dimension where all the other guys are sports fans instead of like geeks, you know, <laughs> you know, it's cause that's what, that's what an enemy of a geek would be. Right. Sports fan, sports, uh, you know, sports brute, I guess, you know, <laughs> Oh no, they're but, um, they're all still there as near as I can tell. Oh good. Yeah. <laughs> the quality may be a little spotty on some of them, but um so yeah, that's what we were doing for a while. And um towards the end of the webisodes, of course the group kind of broke apart. Um, you know, stupid little ego clashes and things like that kind of ruined it. Um but I still love the characters and I still loved writing them. So I decided to do the comic book to kind of keep, you know, to keep the, the magic alive, I guess. And, um, so I did that first trade that took like about five years to put together all three issues and, you know, all the extras and, you know, everything on that. Um, and that came out really good. I, I was really proud of that first, uh, mini series. I think it really captured kind of like what we were doing, you know, and it's funny, um, big bang theory kind of came along after hero envy and kind of like, it was, it kind of like killed us a little bit. Cause it was like, there was a lot of stuff in big bang theory that we used to do on the show, you know? Yeah. Um, made me wonder if those guys had seen some of our stuff or, you know, whoever the creator was of that show. Um, it was just, you know, small things, you know, that were like, Hey, wait a minute. That was in our thing, you know? Um, so it was kind of like, I used to always use it the tagline, like before the big bang, there was hero and me, you know? So I used to use that at conventions to kind of sell the book and things like that. But, yeah, so that was kind of like the origin of Hero Envy <laughs> in a nutshell, you know. So when when you turned it into a comic and began selling them and you were you were at conventions selling the DVDs and and the comics uh and yeah. then you then you began to branch out a little bit in doing some other things and lately you've been doing a heck of a lot more. So I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> so how did how did that that branching out happen? I mean, did you just have new stories you wanted to tell, or did somebody say, "Hey, you need to do a story about this"? Oh yeah, well, it was probably more of the first thing you said. It, it was more like me wanting to tell more stories, and you know, I learned a lot from making that first hero in the uh, miniseries. I learned how to be quicker about making comics and how to avoid mistakes that I had done previously and, you know, just more efficient at it. Um, and yeah, I definitely had a lot more ideas that I wanted to tell. So I kind of reckless sidekick kind of morphed from being about web, web shows to being more about making comic books, you know? And, um, we also, I mean, now we set up at conventions, we're a bunch of different things. Cause my, you know, my wife is an artist, she makes sculptures and everything. So together we kind of, when we set up now, we set up both my comics and her stuff and mm -hmm. we got print now, you know, we've branched into a whole other, whole other thing. But uh, overall, yeah, I had more ideas I wanted to tell in comic book form and um, you know, I wanted to have like uh, a bunch of books that kind of like, you know, kind of like um, had, had something for everybody. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to do like uh, a sci-fi book. I wanted to have a superhero book. I wanted to have an ages book, you know, things like that. So, I mean, this year you have mm -hmm. two very different projects that look and feel nothing like Hero Envy, which I think is oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of cool. I mean, we, we, yeah. can talk, we can talk about Kid Switch, or we can talk about Swamp Tales. Uh, why don't we start with Kid Switch? Because Kid Switch is kind okay. of like your, your amazing, full-on sci-fi superhero epic. Yeah, definitely. And that one, that one kind of funny, funny enough, that one started off as, um, a friend of mine, you got, you guys know the secret identity podcast. Yeah. We've heard Matt of and Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brian, um, Brian had this idea, uh, this is going back a few years. He wanted to do a comic book that was like, um, like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like you yep. wanted to have like four different stories in there. And, you know, like each one would be like a, a different Saturday morning cartoon that you would read, you know, in comic book form. And, you know, there would be like old school serial ads and things like that. It was a great idea that never kind of happened. But what, when he had pitched that to me, he had asked me, hey, do you have like an idea for Saturday morning cartoon that you would like to do and be part of this? And so I sat on it for a little while and, and, you know, it came to me like a couple weeks later, like I was like, Oh, I could do something very, I always liked the, the kids superheroes. And I was like, well, I could do something very Ben 10 ish, you know, like where yep. this kid kind of finds an item, you know? And then as I thought about it more, the story kind of came together and, I had more ideas and it, it kind of morphed into this other thing, you know, but like, um, <clears throat> essentially it's about a kid who finds like this, uh, glove in a junkyard and, um, the glove 
belongs to like these beings that go around and repair alternate dimensions. And so the glove is, is it's, it's called a switching glove. So what it does is like it can switch any item it comes in contact with, with its counterpart in an alternate dimension. So like, say, for instance, like if, if he picked up a, like a piece of paper, like, and he switched it with a counterpart, it might still be a tree in another alternate dimension. You know, that, that was sort of like the idea of it. And, um, basically if it falls in the wrong hands, you could see how that could be kind of like a, a very powerful weapon. So that's sort of the idea of the kid finds one of these gloves that belongs to these beings. And, um, of course, the second he gets it, a, a villain comes looking for the same exact glove and that's how it starts, you know? And then on top of it, the kid has like, you know, like the Peter Parker thing going on where he's got all kinds of high school problems and, you know, nothing like a good angst always, teenage story, you know? Yeah. Like I didn't make him too angsty, but I made him more like, I wanted to capture kind of like what made the Stanley Dicko stuff great, you know, mm-hmm. just like with the pro, you know, like the problems, you know, like, Oh, what was me? You know, this and that, no love interest and things like that, you know? And then on top of that, the kid's trying to figure out what the heck is going on, you know? So what, it's one of those storylines. Now this, the one that you're currently selling is issue one. So I'm assuming more issues are coming. Yeah, I have the first arc uh, planned out to be about four issues. And the second one is the the script is completed and I have an artist that started it. Um, I just don't, at this point, I'm not sure when that's going to be finished, but it's it's in progress, you know. Um, I had to switch artists from the first issue to the second one. But I actually lucked out and got a better artist. So it's just a matter of when <laughs> when I can get you know. So not to say that the first issue art is bad. It's just that the guy um, that was doing it has gone on to other projects. Sure. So it's, I, I can't get him again. You know. So it's, it's difficult yeah, to find so, the right artist to do to do the project. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Interestingly, and then, and then, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna. Uh, I was just gonna go talk ahead. about the the wonderful true breakfast of champions ad you have in the middle of that one <laughs> for, for mighty mascots is that a new series coming is that a new series coming yeah the in the in reckless chronicles it's one of the the reckless chronicles is an anthology book with yeah. three stories in it one of the stories yeah. is the mighty mascots so that's why i have that ad in there that's it's really about cool. a bunch of serial mascots that that uh that become a super super team, That's and it, really they're cool. all made up of like popo, popular archetype uh, serial mascots. Like they're led by like a Captain Crunch type. <laughs> you know? It's pretty wild. That that one actually, I I've been talking to Alterna Comics about. <laughs> we 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 may publish that with them down the road. I uh, just gotta. I just gotta kind of tweak a few things and repitch it to them. But uh, that that could be a possibility down the road, which would be very cool. Because I like what they're doing over at that company. It's a nice small uh, independent publishing house. 
they do some really yeah cool definitely stuff. they got a good reach too and i love I, I i love the whole newsprint thing making comics cheaper again i think that's a phenomenal idea so what's yeah. it like for somebody who's a truly independent comic artist who's really getting his exposure from conventions and things like that, or, you know, through literally walking from comic book store to comic book store saying, you want to stock my comic? Uh, you know, it's got to be kind of rough for you not to have that kind of large media outlet, even or even a small one like Alterna. It is. It, you know, it's like, that's what's great about conventions. You know, it's like, that's almost like you're your store you know in a way the problem with conventions though and, and you know i've tried to temp temper my uh expectations is like is you know it's it's um people are there for everything but you so you always have to kind of sell sell yourself you know right um but a lot of the times like i i try to let the books speak for themselves with people like when they come up and they look and I just give them the basic little pitch, have them look at the artwork. And I'd say, you know, one out of every three people will usually just pick it up after the pitch. So, you know, so I've kind of developed a little bit of a, like a, I guess a sales formula with it, but um, it is tough, you know, it is tough to get your book out there, but I do it more because I love it, you know, <laughs> I mean, we, that's, that's why we're all there because, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to be heard through the crowd and, and a convention is is. the worst kind of crowd and yet the best kind of crowd at the same time. So it's very difficult for a creator like you, uh, especially because there are so many different creations that you have and each one of them has a different look a different feel and a different appeal as well. Uh, and, and nothing proves that more, I think, than Swamp Tales, which is essentially <laughs> a black and white line draw. And this is yep. one of the weirdest things I've ever seen you put out. And yet it's engaging <laughs> no. and I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> Now the now what you're looking at in the black and white stuff, then that's actually my artwork. That's 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 as far that's like where my art level goes. <laughs> so well, what this- Swamp Tales is is I've had the like I've I've been drawing those characters off and on since I was like in sixth grade. Like I used to always I I used to want to be a comic strip artist like you know Charles Schultz or. Jim Davis or, you know, Gary Larson or whatever. That's all what I wanted to do when I was a little kid. Um, and so Swamp Tales was like comic strips that I drew, right. you know, here and there. And a lot of those that are being put in the book are ones that I have, I've had sitting around my house. I've had like about 50, 60 strips just sitting around my house. And you know, I moved into my new house with my wife, uh, like, like four or five years ago and I found them and I was like, you know, maybe if this would work as a comic book. And she's like, yeah, you know, you just clean them up and, you know, put them in there and 
you could probably sell them, you know? And I was like, so that's what I ended up doing. I, uh, I, I cleaned up all the strips. I updated them. I, I redid all the lettering so that it wouldn't just, you know, so it looked nice. And, and then I packaged like, cause you know, sometimes comic strips have like a, a continuing story right. where it's like, you know, one strip to the next. I, I kind of packaged, um, storylines together in each of the issues so that like when you read it you would get like one full storyline and um and then i hired a guy to uh, do my covers and voila just had a comic book you know and there wasn't much effort to go into those because i already had those you know what i mean yeah so it was kind of like a no-brainer to just produce them for a while uh the first issue was selling like gangbusters that shows because parents were were loving that there was a kids comic you know they walk around these conventions there's nothing for kids you know so parents were buying that one like crazy but the sales have kind of slowed down a little bit i think it's because i've been at the same cons over and over again you know but uh for a while that was like one of my best-selling books you know so funny you know just sitting around my house and they interesting some new ones for it though too Yeah, it, you know what? About two thirds of the way through the anthology, there's a uh, a change in the artwork. It, it, the the artwork seems to be much more updated. And uh, yeah, there's um there's three different artists in that in that uh, in that book. The reason I did the anthology too was the fact that um I wanted to do a sequel to uh, Hero Envy. But I didn't want to get tied up doing just the Hero Envy story again for right. like another couple of years. So I was like, well, why don't I do like a Marvel Comics Presents thing and do like three different stories that I kind of want to work on. And then I can kind of gives me a chance to work on Hero Envy and then also this other stuff. And then if I get tired of doing one of the stories, I can I can end it off and then start a new one. So that's why I started. And that's Reckless Chronicles? Chronicles? Yeah, perfect. That is, yeah. So the first story in there is a sequel to Hero Envy. That's, they're all, they're all kind of like eight page stories. Right. Uh, the second one is the Mighty Mascots, which we talked about earlier, the serial guys. And the third one is my, um, my first uh, stab at public domain stuff. So I took like a, you know the H.C. Wells time machine story, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I I came up with a concept that me that the time machine character had a son, and the story starts with the son. You know, he's living in the present time, and um, you know he, he doesn't know where his father went. His father's been gone for twenty years. And then he gets like a mysterious letter in the, in the mail and it's from his father saying he's trapped in the past. And so the kid ends up having to uh, find a prototype time machine that the father was working on and ends up having to go rescue him. And it's sort of like um, the, you know, he, they, they end up meeting up with Sherlock Holmes and it's going to be sort of like a, kind of like a league of extraordinary gentlemen, gentlemen type of concept where the time machine character will be teaming up with all these different, um, public domain characters, you know? 
and Very that cool. one should be an ongoing as well. Yeah, it's it's fun. Did you, you know? did that you do the lettering for that one as well? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually letter all my books. Wow. That that's a that's yeah. people don't understand that that's a talent in and of itself. That's you know not everybody can do that. Not every artist is comfortable and, and really good at lettering. Yeah, I can tell you that letter, good lettering and bad lettering can really hurt a book, you know? Absolutely. Uh, it's just something I, you know, it's just something I, I, I will, one of my day jobs was working graphic design. So like, I, I just knew I could do the lettering kind of like a Marvel book. You kind of look at it and you can kind of like recreate what they do, you know? So that's why I started to just letter my own books and, Sometimes I even get offers from people. Hey, can you letter my book? I'll pay you and this and that. So that's not a bad like, deal. Sure, you know. Yeah, not a bad deal at all. You know. So, so yeah, I guess I'm I, I'm multi talented. I guess when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. That that you are. I mean, <laughs> not to too, you know, you've done the web series, you're doing the comics, you write the comics, you're lettering the comics. You've got four different titles and more coming out. And on top of that, um, you are kind of the the driving force behind a, a, a new phenomenon that's been occurring recently <laughs> up in the Northeast, which is the one-day kind of mini conventions. Um, and you are the one who came up with uh, Plastic City Comic Con. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that and uh, where it is, what it is, and why you're doing it? Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, you know, I we we go back way back with the conventions, me and you we guys. do. <laughs> so you've seen the evolution from Boston to what it what it's become now, which let's just call it a disaster. What it is now, you know, it's it's a very um, different feel from what it once was for sure no question Correct. About yeah and you know just I, I started getting tired of like going to shows like that i mean rhode island's become that um you know all these major ones around us in the you know tri-state area are becoming like these big overblown like just monsters of a con you know and you know it's like people want to go to them. It's like 40 bucks to get in, you know? And it's like, by the time you bring a family of four to a convention like that, you're already out a couple hundred bucks to park, to eat, to, to just get in, you know? And none of that money trickles down to the, the starving artists at these shows, you know? And so I was like, you know, like I want to get back to like a true, comic book focused convention that we used to have in the nineties. So that I started thinking about it, you know, and I, I didn't think I didn't see myself as a con promoter, but you know, as I kept saying to everybody, you know, so you got to get back to these type of shows, you know? And finally, I, I think I was sitting around with a bunch of artists. We were all just talking and there was just, everyone was fed up, you know, it wasn't just me feeling that way. Um, and then finally, just cause everybody was feeling so down, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to my hometown. I'm going to look and see if I can find a place to do a show and now, see if I can actually about, do it. 
you're talking about the hometown of oh lemonster sorry <laughs> lemonster massachusetts which is Correct. take a left somewhere i mean it's just, this is not a big metropolis this is not a big city this is a big town basically yeah it's about 40,000 people population wise you know so and and its nickname is plastic city that's how we came up with the name for the the convention because it's a big plastic producing uh city they produce a lot of like they produce like the lawn flamingos here <laughs> at one point you know and, <laughs> and that's the, old the best Renzy, like what's up that's the best everybody yeah, needs lawn flamingos. Um, yeah right exactly so but um that was why i started it though is because i was just fed up with the way cons are heading you know and you know whenever you hear somebody say oh, it's a comic-focused show, half the time you go, and it's really not. You know what I mean? It's it's just another mid-size, you know, like Granite State or like, uh, you know, one of those type of shows where it's on the, it looks like it's a Comic-Con, but it's mostly like cosplay and, you know, I don't know. So, so I what's wanted the focus to of get Blast back to... What's the what? Purpose what's the of focus? It? The focus. Focus is comics. Like we have tons of comic dealers with deals left and right. We have independent artists there. I do do some of the little things. Like I get like the vehicles, you know, I had the vehicles last year and I had um, a TARDIS set up and I have the kids area with Emily and her crew. And, um, you know, and then we try to get like at least one or two big comic guests. That's it. We don't we don't really do celebrities. Like we had one last year. We had one wrestler. Um, uh, every it. convention needs a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, right. We don't do cosplay contests, but we love if people show up in cosplay. But we just don't focus on that side of the convention. You know, we don't have panels because the 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 place <coughs> we throw it at now. Yeah, is like a hockey rink, so there's not really any good place to put a panel. Or else I would do panels, you know. Well, yeah, you, you so it, you always use the penalty box for panels or something. I don't know. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> yeah, we could try using that. Um, but yeah, we we just it's just an old school '90s show, you know, where you show up, you pay five bucks to get in, you walk around the place for a couple hours, you buy stuff, and then you leave. That's it. It's a just an old school, like the old monkey house shows in Boston used to be that way. Um, it's just, that's the kind of show it is. And people seem to love it. You know, like we had 2000 people show up last summer. Um, uh, we might be moving the show to April this coming year, but I haven't locked the date in yet, but you know, we have a website so people can check on it. It's like plastic city And, uh, yeah, we have about a hundred vendors that come through. Um, but I mean, that's the, pretty the much it. The important thing to remember is it's settled in a place where you're not paying thirty bucks a day for parking. Yeah, no, that's another uh, thing. Free parking, and and, and we, we you're walking twelve and under free. Your walking is five bucks a head. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, there's there's a trend that I think you and I are both seeing and a lot of people are seeing now, 
of these one and two day maybe pop up conventions that uh, are are finding a place for themselves, and I think that's a really good thing. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, the thing is, it's 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 got um, it's got potential. It, it, there's room for these small shows, I think. You know, in the midst of these big giant monsters, you know, I think because we have a ton of people show up for it. So it's like, I know there's like, there's people that want these kind of shows, you know? <laughs> they, well, and, and there are, there are vendors shows, and artists know? who want this type of show too, because one of the things that I heard from people who participated last, uh, at the first and second one, they said that the first one was this amazing little thing. And I guess a VW hall. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and then we saw how big it was, and right. we had to go to a bigger venue. And they they said one of them said to me repeatedly, uh, without saying exactly what it was or anything, that the table fees didn't bleed them dry. Yep. Yeah, that's the other thing. We try to keep that low for the vendors too. We give them an option too, like they can take a cheaper, cheaper uh, table rate and bring their own tables. You know. So yeah, there would be for doing that thing. Prices. That's kind of weird. Bring your own table. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> hey, you know. But people took advantage of it. I'd say over half our vendors did that, which is wow. great. You know, saves me from getting it. You know, that's that. That was the whole point of doing it. <laughs> that I, you know, me renting them and then having to bring them back the next, you know, whatever it was over or whatever. You know. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a new new. Uh, type of con you know or i say a return to the old type of cons you know well it, it's a lot of old stuff but some new ideas with it as well uh i think it exactly. definitely definitely has a place because i've got to tell you that when we were at granite con last weekend i saw th at least three other iterations of this model that are happening uh in the, oh, in okay. the months so i mean that alone is kind of a good reason, you know, or, or a good indicator that if other people are trying this model out, then it, it must be resonating with them. It must be striking a chord with them. And I think, I think it's a good thing. I really do. I applaud you for doing it. Uh, I can't wait oh, to be there next year and, I, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. We'll get you guys set up with a table and everything next year. We don't have awesome. to put our own table. That's awesome. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love you guys. Be like the premier uh, podcast there, you know. We could do that for you. We we would be happy to promote stuff like this because I think it's it's a good direction uh, for these mini cons or one day cons to be to be moving towards. Keith, you know it's always fun when we talk at, at conventions. Uh, we need to do stuff like this more. And I think we'll be doing more uh, as time goes on. Reckless Sidekick Productions yeah. uh, has, has redoubled their output. And on top of that, the con promoter extraordinaire of Plastic City Comic Con. <laughs> Keith, thanks so much for joining us tonight. All right. Um, thanks a lot. And I'm glad we finally got together on here. You know, it's yeah, about come damn on, time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll plan something. Uh, we'll plan something before... Uh, Plastic City next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, thank, thank you, guys. Triana, uh, thanks. Take care. <laughs>
All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Kriana, have we got uh, a little bit this time? Are we starting over? Oh, okay. That was weird. So, Zombrarian, how you doing? That was weird. I don't know why that did that. Really, it was cute. And thank you for joining out the last half of the, that introduction. Whatever it was, who was that on the introduction? Uh, and some guy. Yeah, I know. I do. Do we remember? I, I don't. You said who like, it was at the beginning. I know, but was he a friend of Doug Jones? Because he said, "I'm not Doug Jones." I no, don't. Yeah, he's, he's the one that did the right freaking superhero book, Scott Allen Perry. That's the one who it was. Okay. That was See, weird. See, I even remembered <laughs> who it was. <laughs> so, have you I seen... I definitely it? didn't look. You definitely didn't look? Promise? Okay. No. So, uh, as I think I made rather clear when we were talking with Keith, uh, I spent the weekend at Granite Con, and it, it was a wonderful time, I've got to admit. Uh small conventions uh and granite con is the probably the largest of the small conventions around uh was a wonderful family atmosphere like it always is and i got to meet some really really weird people many of which are going to be on the show in the coming weeks have you we ever were sad to miss it but we got new brakes in the car that's always a better thing i think given the opportunity to get new brakes because you need them or come to a convention where you may need breaks too, but you won't have them because you didn't get them. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you did that. Uh, have you ever heard of, there are these podcasts around called Movie in a Minute podcast? Yeah, I've heard of them. Okay, then I'm just going to play old guy again because I had never heard of these. And this guy came over to talk to me and I wish I could remember his name because I can't. And he runs the Mad Max in a Minute podcast. And that's all he does. And the concept of this is, and correct me if I'm wrong because I usually run with this stuff, is they take <clears throat> a single minute of the movie and spend 20 minutes discussing that one minute. And then next week or the next episode, they take the next minute. So for the original Mad Max movie, there are 97 episodes. You've got to be a really big fan to. That's what I had thought. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the guy is, is, he said, you know, there's like maybe 30 or 40 different podcasts all with different movies all out there doing this thing. And uh, we're that's not what I've heard of. I guess oh, what, what I've was, heard of um, one minute reviews. Yeah. Like one minute here are all the very basics of what you need to know about this uh, classic movie or classic book so that you know what happens in it and you can understand references to it. 
Yeah, I, I thought that's what it was in the beginning, too. Imagine my surprise when I was wrong. Because <laughs> those so, do exist, the ones where it's like, oh, here, yeah. let's take, you know, a minute or five minutes to tell you how this goes, but... We'll, we'll assume that Java is, is getting out of his car and moving in, and not that he was unskyped because of some other horrible reason. Let's not even think about that. The children have taken over. Ah. So, um... Outlander! <laughs> I'm, I've been actually watched a couple of them. Now, imagine, if you will, that the first minute of Mad Max is all the production credits, like River Films and Sunset Audio Productions presents. Oh, my, and, they even did that? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't see myself getting into something like that. But like when they even did, for my very favorite movies of all time that I feel like have something in every minute that could be discussed, I don't... Like, I could see making something. I don't think I could ever sit through listening to something like that. I am well, not it, the right kind of person. I don't have that patience. I know, I know. I know. Kriana does, though. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Pardon me for laughing hysterically at the thought that she has the That was the joke. Uh, it was a good joke, too. Because I don't know that, that there are many people. And yet, some of these podcasts are very popular, which is different and weird yeah. and it's different and weird enough that i think we're going to be talking to them in the near future because you know, he's very eloquent and, and very upbeat about what it is and all that and that was just you know one of the few people that we we met at at, at uh GraniteCon. there's a wonderful new comic out called magnamel which is a uh kind of fantasy future Irish folktales uh, graphic novel that is just beautiful. And we're going to have the writers and the artists on for them as well. And, oh, oh, here's the weirdest thing. Uh, <laughs> on the heels of Plastic City Comic Con, uh, if you thought the Plastic City was a small town, which, in fact, it kind of is at 40,000, um, Keene, New Hampshire is going to attempt the one-day Comic-Con uh, in okay, about a but the, To be fair, Keene, New Hampshire is a teeny tiny town that right. has, has a, a state university in it, right. a big one. So that may actually work. And Keene, New Hampshire, for the size of the small town that it is, has three different comic book stores in it. Yeah, uh, I think Keene's going to do just fine. And, uh, yeah, we may be going to that one as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward. Uh, I think next week we'll be talking to Terry Thomas. Not the not the British actor, but Terry Thomas from Keen Comic Con uh, to come in and talk about, you know, what they're trying to do there and, and the stuff that they're trying to bring together, uh, which ought to be interesting as well. Have you, have you seen Orville? No, but I heard... Uh a trusted friend said that they were very frustrated with it because they felt like it couldn't decide whether it wanted to be an homage to Star Trek or a parody of Star Trek, and therefore it was not good at either thing. 
And here's what I think is happening. I think American audiences don't know how to take it because it is a comedy and there's no question about it. But it's one of the few comedies that's trying to exist on network television without a laugh track. And if you've ever seen... A, Are you a, sure? Yeah. I feel like modern sitcoms don't really have laugh tracks anymore. Well, you know what? Like, Modern if, Family, I don't think, does a laugh track. There are more that do than don't. And, you know, take, for example, uh, The Big Bang Theory, which is just a cringeworthy from time to time. And I was able to, there's a there's a guy on YouTube who strips the <clears throat> laugh tracks out of sitcoms so that you can see what it is you're being forced to laugh at. And because, you know, it's like when when people are laughing at something and you don't know what the joke is, you don't want to pretend that you don't know what the joke is. So well, and sometimes the people on those laugh track recordings have really funny laughs, and I think it's on purpose. I think you're absolutely right, to be honest. So <clears throat> there's always that one guy who goes, ha, ha. Yeah, I know. Her. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you sit and you listen to uh, what is purportedly a funny show, The Big Bang Theory, without that laugh track, you realize. In a lot of ways, it just ain't that funny. By the same token, there are some gag lines in, in uh, episodes one and two of Orville that were wonderfully funny. Uh, I got to admit that the uh, CGI's are like really almost creepily bad. But uh, and thank you, Fox, for not putting up the money for that. But. Uh, no, I, th or did I think. Or they mean to do it that way because some of the effects in the original Star Trek were awful, creepily awful as well. Yeah, like maybe that's part of the joke. Because I feel like Seth, like Seth MacFarlane could walk into the Fox offices and say, "I want a golden pony," and he and they would give it to him. You could be right. You absolutely could be right at this point. I really. I'm having a better time with it than I thought. And I'm kind of discounting a lot of the, it's just, they can't decide whether it, not, whether it wants to be funny or not. I really think the audience can't decide what they want it to be more than anything else. I think it, it's, the writing isn't too bad. It's still finding its roots. Well, and with Seth MacFarlane, people have gotten very used to. Heavy duty slapstick. Yeah. Well, and not, and not even irreverent parody but scathingly mocking parody and I think that this is meant to be more of an appreciative parody and an homage yeah. and a gentle parody and I think that people don't know how to take that from him I think if, it, if it's given more than 9 weeks or 13 weeks it's going to find a place uh I, I'm really enjoying it, but... Although, speaking of network TV... Yes. And shows that don't have laugh tracks, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> so, this one flew under my radar until recently when I binged the whole first season um, in, it like, a day because I started watching and couldn't stop The Good Place. 
Oh, with um, um what's so her name? Yes, good with Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell and and uh, God, I can't think of anybody's name now. Not Tony Danza, the other one. <laughs> no, I think his name's Tony. It, I don't think it's Tony, but that's okay. Yeah, it's it's a hilariously funny story about a woman who goes to heaven by mistake. Yeah, Ted Danson. Ted, okay, Ted and Tony are. Very Ed Danson cool. and Tony Danza are practically the same. Practically name. the same name. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I really, I did not think I was going to enjoy it. I thought it was going to be this, you know, goofy, not awesome thing. I forgot how much I like Kristen Bell. I always forget how much I like her until I'm watching her in something, and then I'm like, this is amazing. This comedy is actually very smart. It's it's, it's yeah. very well written, well honed, well shot, well directed. Uh, I feel like I can't talk about the first season though without spoilers. Well, the cool thing is, there's a season two. I know, and but I feel like I can't even speculate or talk about what I'm excited about. I, I'm thinking you can because if they haven't seen season one, they're going to binge it anyway. But I don't want to ruin that for them because I will admit I am one of those people who doesn't do who doesn't do twists well because I see them coming. Yeah. And I didn't see the twist coming. There were a whole lot of them that you just don't see coming in this show. It's and then so Adam Scott shows up and he's the devil and I'm like, Ben Wyatt, <laughs> what are you doing? The casting is also just just so wonderfully bizarre yeah it's um, great i like it hey another segue speaking of, speaking of segues go for it speaking of adam scott i'm excited for ghosted too what did what help me out ghosted is the one with adam scott who played ben on parks and rec who is my favorite character possibly in any tv show ever and oh i'm gonna forget his name He's huge in comedy. Oh gosh, it'll come to me. Okay. Um, and they play two like it's like a buddy cop show and a paranormal cop show and a comedy all at once. It looks like the Rush Hour meets yeah. the X Files meets the Odd Couple, and I <laughs> like. I know all the jokes in the preview on the commercials for it, and I still laugh at them. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Executive producer Adam Scott and Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. There we go. You're welcome. They're Who's going got from the normal hair. <laughs> like the uh, both of the two of them together have really like. <clears throat> iconic hair and I really appreciate that about them <laughs> oh I have some interesting news uh, Richard Polinelli I got his name right he's not even on the damn show was on was on a couple of weeks back uh, talking about uh, his his Dragon Con Award and being one of five uh, finalists for uh, Best Science Fiction Novel at the Dragon Awards. 
and unfortunately he didn't win. Uh, but he was asked after the Dragon Con Awards to serve uh, as editor for a book that's part of a series of sci-fi anthologies called the Planetary Anthologies. It'll be a series of nine books, one for each of the eight planets and poor old Pluto as well. Uh, <laughs> awesome. And yeah, well, let's bring Pluto back as a planet. It's just not fair. And because he was a, a, a champion of the underdog, he got to do the anthology about Pluto. Oh. So, so he's uh, soliciting science fiction short stories between five and 10,000 words. Uh, in Pluto's uh, case, the anthology is about science. The science fiction stories need to be about wealth and or death and be set or be set on the planet Pluto itself or involve Pluto in a significant way. Uh, so if science fiction writers are interested, they can drop us an email and we'll uh, lock you up with uh, Richard uh, Polinelli, who can't, who's you know, a terrific writer, and now he's putting together this anthology. And I think that's so wonderful for a guy who is... Uh, Got such a really, really serious, really interesting series of books and uh, has had some great accolades in the past couple of months. So good for you, Richard. Congratulations, mm -hmm. man. And we will put all the specifics of that in the show post as well. We absolutely will. Um, Who's um, on next week? Who's on next week? You know what? I don't know. But my thought is it's going to be Terry Thomas from... Comic-Con to talk to us about the new Comic-Con, what it's all about, and what's going to be happening with it. Live Live Saturday night is the official podcast of Brandon Comic-Con, and Comic-Con. Visit Comic-Con.com to set up deals on original art dust our intro music production was provided by Rob Fox. My and Rob And our outro was provided by Check out the producer, Many thanks to the gang from the Peabody Time Club, the sweetheart of the Thank you, Steve. Some of the goblin game. Very Share joining Take care, everybody. I know.